What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita, and we are back today on this Thursday, the day before the postseason starts. We're talking Major League Playoffs, the inaugural, well, I guess it's the second time we've done it, but the first time that it's here to stay, the Major League Baseball, American League, and National League Wild Card Series. And we have a great friend of the show, checking in now for the third straight postseason we this is our new uh i mean it's not new but this is our postseason tradition uh of course he competed on survivor and he's also a well-known baseball coach and dating coach too for that matter in the miami area he's been killing it in florida he's been doing that for several years um and then yeah he finished third place on survivor south pacific we welcome back albert destrade great to have you here Jack, always great to be on the show. I'm excited about the postseason. I feel like you've been a, a bit of a good luck charm for me. The show has, as a, you know, the guys have seen some of our episodes before know that I'm a Braves guy. First year I was on your show, National League Championship Series. Second year I'm your show, World Series. This is the third year I'm on your show, so let's see what happens. Maybe we'll go for <laughs> Repeat. Repeat, yeah. Um, and it's been a lot of fun doing these. It's Kind of crazy how the it's the time's gone by, but at the same time, I feel like we've known each other for way longer than just a couple years. So here we go again. Last year we did it with your uncle O. Arrestus was with us, unfortunately. Uh, I, o was not able to join us today. Maybe we'll be able to get him on later this postseason if he's able to. Uh, but the last time we spoke was in the preseason, Albert. And I know you had said it one, maybe two bold predictions. I know there's one that you're at least pretty proud of. So I want to give you a chance to take your victory lap here. Yeah, I went back and uh, took a look at what we talked about in the preseason. Uh, you, you were you know, kind enough to have me on your NL West preview. Um, I think I might have gotten the NL West standings exactly correct. but I think you did. Double check the tape on that. And I think the Dodgers, um, I had them at 100 and I think 108 wins. So they surpassed even my lofty expectations. But uh, it's been, a, it's been a heck of a season, man. It's been a really fun baseball season to watch. A lot of interesting races. It's been a very fun season. The Dodgers have been great this year. Unfortunately, we won't be... Well, fortunately for them, we're not talking about them today because we're talking about the teams that were very good but not good enough to get that one-way ticket right into the division series. So this is how it's going to work for those who don't know. And we're going to lead off right here with our wild card series preview. I'm going to tell you guys how this series is going to work because I know there are a lot of people who might not understand. And greetings to all of those who are watching us live on Facebook and Twitter. You guys can follow along at Jack Vita Show if you're listening to the podcast feed. We're live right now, um, one night before the action starts. But here's how it's going to work. And then later, we will get to our award selections for the regular season. So basically... This is the new thing. Top two seeds in each league, top two division winners with the best record. They have a buy. They go straight to the division series. So that means Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Braves not playing this weekend. They play their first games on Tuesday. Okay. Now we added two wild card teams in each league. So we have, or so one in each league. Sorry, where we had ten, now we have twelve. So we had five last year, six now. Um, so that means that the Phillies and the Rays would not have gotten into the postseason had this been our old format that we had used for the past decade. 
they are in now. So that means that the three seed does not get a buy into the DS. They have to play their way in. So we have our three seed and our six seed. They match up against each other, and that's your division winner with the worst record of the three division champs. And then the worst uh, – so they're three, and then the third wild card team, they're the six seed. Four and five, basically it's what we had last year. You have the top – the team with the better record, they get home field. It was basically – we're basically taking last year's wild card and turning it into a three-game series. Now it's going to happen is – all three games are in the sight of the team with the home field. So there will be no switch. All three games in St. Louis, all three games in Toronto, all three games in Cleveland, and all three games in New York. So that means that the series will never push back either way. We'll stay in the same place Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if necessary. And then Monday is a day off. And that'll be the next time we do one of these podcasts. So, Albert, first of all, before we dive right in, what are your preliminary thoughts on this new format, this new structure schedule? A couple things. Uh, number one, it's fair to say the baseball community has been very <clears throat> critical and oftentimes justfully, uh, rightfully so, of Rob Manfred's tenure as the commissioner. But I got to tell you, Jack, I love this new format. I love the no more one game playoff. That's out the door. I think that's a great adjustment. I actually like the expanded playoffs to include six teams per league. I think it makes it more competitive. I think it makes um, – it justifies a lot of teams in the middle to potentially go for it, right? So you don't have so many haves and have-nots. It creates a little bit more natural parity in the league, um, lets some fan bases stay engaged longer into the season. Um, I like the idea of rewarding – uh, the wild card team or the teams in the wild card round with three consecutive home games. I think that's a really interesting touch. Um, to me, I, I think this is a much better format um, and I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. I actually, I'm really glad you said that last part. I think the fact that you get to play all three games at home, hopefully that is something because what I think the worst version of this would be in a future season, if an 84 win team beat a 96 win team and it was just like oh my goodness that team was so much better in the regular season we want the regular season to matter but I think the fact that you get to play all three games at home if you lose that series at home it's harder for me to justify you being in the division series yeah I agree with that I think that Having that, that, you know, the home field advantage back to back to back, I think it creates a little bit more um, of an outcome that's true, right, where the better team is generally going to win more often, which I think is um, indicative of how it should play out, especially with such a long season. The only adjustment I would make, Jack, and I'm curious your thought on this, is I don't like the fact that the third division winner automatically gets an advantage uh, over the uh, fourth place team because you look at the situation here with the Mets, right, the Mets are going to have to play um, – I'm sorry, the, uh, the Mets are oftentimes a better team than other teams in that wild card round. So to me, I, I'd rather reward the better records. Now, I understand that you want the division to matter, but it's tough for me to reconcile when certain teams um, – I think the Mets are a better team than, you know, even the Cardinals who won their division. Um, and I think that 
the seeding maybe should be more tied to win loss totals, but I think we've taken a step in the right direction overall. So I would disagree. I I want the division champions to get something for winning their divisions. I want that to still mean something. They are next year. They're going to level out the schedule a little more. So you're going to get less times where a team beats up on a worser team in their division. And that can sometimes be, you know, in, in past years, there have been teams like the 2019 Minnesota Twins. They won 100 games. Was that team that's winning 100 games if they're playing in the AL East? I, I don't think so. so. You look at the Guardians this year, right? Are the Cleveland Guardians really the third best team in the American League? I don't think so. Ooh, that's going to be a great debate. You you right. just stepped right into something. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, though, yeah, I think the one thing I would change about this, and I think part of it is that we are we have time constraints. We got to get these games going by a certain time. I would not line up this on a weekend. I don't think we should be going against college football on Saturday. I don't think we should potentially be going up against the NFL on Sunday. It might not end up mattering as much because we might only get one game or two games on Sunday, but I would not be going up against. I, I think we're not going to, I don't think we're going to do well ratings wise for baseball on Saturday. That's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. I will say there's a little bit of a spread compared to a regular season game in football than a playoff game, you know, for your baseball team, if you're a guy who like, or a person who really likes both. But um, that's an interesting point. We'll see how it happens. Maybe Major League Baseball will learn from this year. Yeah. I just, I think what I would, part of it though, is they had to get these in because the season started late. So maybe in the future they're thinking, okay, regular season's done on a Sunday and then we play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then we start the DS on Monday. That's what I think would be the perfect way to do and it. And also the schedule got a little bit jacked up because yes. um, of the delay or the labor yes. negotiation. So really, these last three games of the season were actually what was supposed to be the beginning of the season, which was really interesting because the Braves, um, just from my lens as a Braves guy, uh, I live here in Miami, so I was going to go watch opening day Miami Braves-Marlins, but that ended up being the final series of the season played on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as opposed to the opening season. So they just took that that first three and put it to the back of the season and kind of compacted it. So nonetheless, we're here and we're going to talk about these series now. And by the way, we got this is a good segue here. Guess who just liked the tweet of us talking, Albert? Who's Mario that? Mario Lanza, our our good friend Mario, who was actually on here last week, and is a oh, huge Mario. Seattle Mariners fan. They're in the postseason for the first time in 21 years. The drought's over. The drought's over. I'm excited to see what the Mariner fan base is gonna what's gonna what's gonna happen with them, especially if they start making a run in these playoffs. Man, it's gonna be exciting out there. They're they're pumped up. I would not want to play them. So earlier this week, I did my power rankings based on the team that I least want to play is at the top and the team that I would be most okay with playing at the bottom. And Seattle was somewhere in the middle there. This is a really interesting series. Let's lead off with this. We'll start AL first. We've got Luis Castillo versus Alec Manoa, who Manoa, by the way, really not someone that was talked about, but when I was putting my stuff together for my top five in AL Cy Young, he ended up being like number two or three. He was amazing this year. He's a pitcher that, so he's from the Miami area. He, he pitched at South State High School. Um, 
premium. I saw him uh, coming out of high school. Him and his brother were both all world down here. Uh, he was a first round draft pick that I think he went in the middle of the first round. I thought he was, this guy was an impact guy coming into that draft. Um, uh, funny enough, you know, I always kind of add my Braves lens to it. The Braves ended up drafting um, a catcher in that draft who got traded in Oakland. His name is Casey right now, but Manoa, he's the real deal, man. He's got power stuff, wipeout slider. He's a big game guy. He's a competitive guy. Um, that Blue Jays team to me is really, this is a really interesting series, Jack. I think both of those teams are built in a similar way where they're young, they're exciting. Um, and I think they're both very dangerous teams. Um, uh, I think Seattle made, uh, kind of going back to their move, I think that move to add Luis Castillo was what that team really needed. I think they needed another frontline starter um, to kind of build with what they had going. They have a really nice bullpen. They have a really uh, array of arms in the back end. But I think they really needed a little bit of help at the top of that rotation. And Luis Castillo has been um, as good as advertised for them. So I'm, you know, I'm excited about that matchup. It's two pitchers with power stuff who um, we're really going to showcase in this stage. So we've got those two on Friday. And then Saturday, there's no probable for Toronto yet. But Robbie Ray, the reigning Cy Young, is who the Mariners are going to give the ball to. Mariners are set up extremely well with their pitching staff. If this was a long series, I think that would give them a clear advantage. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're, I think they're, you know, if you look at their staff one through, you know, 11 or 12 or whatnot, it is 10. Um, they're the more complete pitching staff, Seattle is. Um, so it, it, to me, in a short series, you're probably going to see their, some combination of their best four to five relievers with obviously, you know, you know if it goes the distance in these short series, three starters. Um, so the advantage isn't so much skewed in the Mariners' side um, for their pitching. To me, the big, the big um, looming threat is kind of that Blue Jay offense, man. That's a really good lineup that can, I think, can hit good pitching. They've been in a tough division, obviously playing in the American League East, and you know they're used to going up against you know the Rays consistently, the Yankees, um, some really power arms. So that's. To me, the Blue Jays were my pick at the beginning of the season with uh, Jack when I went on this show with you. Um, they still, to me, are the scariest team. I didn't get to do the scary prediction with you, but to me, the Blue Jays are the scariest team in the American League. And I think that they – Number uh, one over the Astros. Believe it or not, I wow. think the Blue Jays are scarier than the Astros and even the Yankees um, because, to me, that's a team that when they click um, has a lot of things that really work in their favor. They're athletic. They can hit, they can defend, um, they can run, they can do a lot of things in a in a in a postseason where run, runs are at a premium. And it's not easy to score runs in the postseason, and they can score runs in a variety of ways. And that's why I think that um, this is such a really interesting matchup. But to me, it's like in the in the American League in the wild card. This is the this is the matchup I'm going to be watching the closest. I think this is the best matchup of them all. I feel yeah. I shouldn't have done this one at the start. I probably should have saved this one for later, but. This is the one that I think is going the distance because some of these other ones I think might be are there will be games that are done by Saturday night, and I think this one will be will have a game three on Sunday. Logan Gilbert would throw that game three for the Mariners, and Toronto is again not announced as pitching. They're pitching. Hey, how about this for a storyline? Robbie Ray against the team that chose not to re-sign him in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Robbie Ray, man, that he that lift, you know, I, I question that move a little bit this offseason because 
he's been a volatile pitcher. Um, you know, he showed flashes of brilliance in Arizona. And then there's times where he looked lost in the mound. And then last year, you know, it all came together for him. And he took a lot of money to go to the Pacific Northwest. And now um, it's always interesting when these storylines add up like this. Um, and now he's coming back to pitch against uh, the Blue Jays. Now, that's a very right-handed dominant lineup with Toronto, Jack. So, you know, you look at their the way that lineup is composed. I don't know if Robbie's stuff necessarily lines up well with that team. I think, I think they probably might have a little bit more trouble um, with a right-handed guy. Um, but either way, I agree with you. I think this is probably the most intriguing matchup, maybe on the whole slate, maybe not just American League, the whole slate. Um, and it's a really, to me, it's like wh whichever one of these teams comes out, nobody wants to play them. I agree with you on that. All right. So before I give my pick, I want to preface this by saying to, uh, Seattle here feels like the stakes are bigger for them. They're playing in their first postseason in 21 years. This series is going to mean a lot more to Seattle fans than it will for all the Canada fans. And that says something because Canada loves their baseball team. They got a whole country behind them. And Julio Rodriguez, another thing, actually two things. I'll, before I get to Julio, teams against winning records between these two teams, Seattle's got a winning record against winning teams. Toronto does not. That's another thing I'm looking at. Lastly, Julio Rodriguez is 21 years old, if that's his actual age. <laughs> but he plays like a much older guy, right? He plays like he's right. 25. It's crazy. He's great. And I just think that he's a guy that when I've watched him, he has risen to the occasion in these big games. So some of these games that they've played lately, like when they played the Guardians and they just wiped them out, they were, again, great against good teams. And then the next weekend, you watch that Braves game, which was insane, that Sunday game, and it felt like the Braves have won that game, and then Julio hits a home run, and it's just like, nope. Um, he's not phased by the big moment. I think I'm going to go with Seattle here in three. I think they're coming in with a little momentum. They it, it Again, I think... They're going to rise to the occasion. They play well against good teams, and I think it means more to them. And anytime that there's another team that we'll probably talk about later, that I feel like there's an added element of like the stakes are bigger for them. I typically like those teams. Man, I um, you know, it's interesting. I think that they're they're close, and I think that they're with what Julio Rodriguez is going to provide that franchise. Um, barring an injury for a long time, is stability in a division that I think is going to be theirs for the taking for the next few years, Jack. If you think about it, look at the Houston Astros. They've been the cream of the crop in the American League West for a few years. But that's an aging team. If you look at the core of that team, that team's getting older, right? Um, you look at the Angels, they can't seem to put it together. The, the A's are going through a major, major rebuild. Um, as I, as I, you know, the, the Rangers spent some money, but I don't love how they spent the money with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Um, I think the Mariners are a team that's on the rise, but I think they're still in the infancy of that rise. Um, to me, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Toronto Blue Jays in this series. I think they're built. I think they're one step above where Seattle is. Toronto, funny enough, that Blue Jay team reminds me of what Seattle is last year, right? Um, I think if we look back at the standings, Toronto might have been that team that just missed it, right? So like you said, the Phillies 
and um, the other six seed, I'm sorry, was the uh, the Rays, right? Yeah. I think Toronto was in that threshold last year where if there was one extra spot, they would have gotten in. So I think the Mariners and, and – Well, Seattle was there too. Yeah, they were They were both very close. So yeah. to me, I like in Seattle's where Toronto was last year, and I think Toronto's like almost on like the Chicago Cubs trajectory, right, <laughs> where that young core went from super young. Remember the year before the Cubs took off, they were like really close. Um, you know, when Brian and Rizzo and Baez were all coming into their own, that's what I see happening with with Toronto, right? They have Vlad coming in his own. Bobichet started to turn off and turn it on in the second half. They have those th- they have those starters with Berrios and Gosman, um, those established guys. Alec Manoa is kind of the young guy blowing up. So, I think Toronto is going to win this series, and I think I'm going to tell you right now. That's my pick to win the American League. The Toronto. Oh. I'm going all right. This. All right. This is great. We're already starting out with disagreement, which is good material yeah. for the listeners because it's it's better when people have providing different perspectives uh, yeah. and different oh, yeah. ideas. So um, I'm going to go with the Mariners. I think it's in three. Are you saying this? Do you think this we're going to play on Sunday? Oh, yeah. We're, this is going three, baby. This is going three. I wouldn't be surprised to see an extra inning game in this in this series. I think Seattle's going to win. On Friday, and then I think we're gonna somehow get to Sunday. That's what I think that's gonna happen. I think because you mentioned Castillo, he has been amazing in big games too. Okay. So yeah, remember when the Yankees wanted to get him? They want to trade for him. He comes out and it just throws a gem against the Yankees. He, he loves the big moment too, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a really he has some really powerful stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him. Yeah. So okay, let's keep moving along because we only have so much time. Let's get to the other AL series. We've got the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Guardians, and you started the conversation by saying that you're not sure if this team is the third best team in the American League or where you're at with them. Before we do that, pitching matchups, Shane McClanahan is back. He's going to start on Friday against Shane Bieber. So we got the uh, Christian worship duo Shane and Shane. Shane, yeah. (laughs) And then we've got, let's see, Saturday, Tyler Glass now. And Cleveland has not named their probable starter, but it will not be Cal Quantrill because he's going to pitch Sunday if they get to Sunday. And Tampa has not announced a probable starter for Sunday. So I don't know who they're going to try to give the ball to in that game, too. I don't know if they're thinking McKenzie. Is that what, is that who you would go with? I, I think they're, they're probably leaning towards Tristan McKenzie. I mean, this Cleveland team has been so interesting, Jack, because – Let's face it, it's 2022. Baseball's played very differently now than it used to be. But what Tito Francona has done with that ball club, with a team that really doesn't have a lot of traditional offensive figures, you know, it's a team that's offense is really built around Jose Ramirez. And then the contributions of guys like Andres Jimenez, Stephen Kwan, um, Josh Naylor, a lot of these guys, they're a different team. They're the youngest roster in baseball. I think they might be the youngest team ever to win a division, if I'm not wow. mistaken. Um, and they're a team that plays the game differently. They don't strike out, right? They put the ball in play to, at a really high clip. They field the ball really well. They pitch really well. They're kind of a throwback team. Um, they're a team that plays the game differently. And I think no one kind of really believed in them. I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning of the season, the talk about the Guardians wasn't whether or not they're going to win the division was how, how are they going to be sellers? Were they going to trade Jose Ramirez, right? Were they going to tear it all down? And they decided, um, you know what, we're going to go for it. I think that's why it's interesting about having more teams in the postseason. It gives teams more autonomy to want to go for it. Because look at the Guardians. 
I don't think many people expected them to come out of that division. I think everyone kind of was very heavy on the White Sox, right? White Sox are supposed to be the team in the center. Yeah. The they kind of floundered. Um, and the, the Guardians have, have risen and kind of shocked a lot of people, a lot of pundits. So um, they're a team that's built on pitching, man. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of defensive. Uh, they, they, they field the ball extremely well at almost every single position. Um, to me, they're in, in a short series. I don't know how that translates. I think that's something that's kind of a longer series thing. They kind of remind me of some of the old school Oakland A's teams, right, where they're really – they're a nice team to win throughout a long season, but I don't know if they have the impact to win a short series against the team's best. Um, so I'm going to see. I'm going to see what they do. I disagree because the Oakland teams. The Oakland teams were not built like Billy Bean did not care as much about defense as Cleveland. That's did. true. Okay, fair. And I think that this is a great formula for the postseason because, first of all, I think. If you don't have a team, I I love the brand of baseball that the Cleveland Guardians play, first of all. So if you're someone that doesn't have a team, but you liked watching baseball 20 years ago, then root for this team because they have the power to swing the pendulum in another way for teams to copy this model. They have the 28th highest payroll. And like you said, it's a team that has one big bat. The rest of the team is a lot of guys who are going to put the ball in play and stretch a single into a double, get from uh, get from first base to third base on a base hit, and they're going to be stealing bases, playing great defense. They have a really good pitching rotation and an excellent back end of their bullpen. And this is a really good formula, I think, for the playoffs because in the playoffs, everything is so pressurized. Every single time you put the ball in play, you put pressure on the other team to make a mistake in the field. And I don't think this team's making any mistakes in the field, Albert. I think this, well, this is a gonna... team that you don't want. When you play the Cleveland Guardians the postseason, this is not a team that you want to have a lead on you late in the game. Because exactly yeah. what you said, Jack, they're not going to make this mistakes in the field. They're going to play really solid defense. They're going to scratch out insurance runs. And guess what? They got a really dangerous back end of the bullpen. James Karinczak is an explosive Wild thing. Arm. Wild thing. I love him. I love to watch him. I love the energy when he comes off the field. I love that the I'm going to come get you attitude. Yeah. Um, and Emmanuel Classe, you and I had this discussion earlier in the season. He's in the conversation for the best closer in baseball. I mean, Edwin Diaz has put up an un, un, otherworldly year, and there's some really elite guys. Jordan Romano on the other side's had a really nice year for the Blue Jays. But, man, Class A, that guy's stuff is out of this world. He's throwing 101 mile hour cutters. I'm like, how is this guy a real human? Like, I don't want to face this guy down two, two to one in the ninth inning. You know what I'm saying? I don't think anybody else does either. Yeah, and that's exactly right. He's amazing. I think if you're going to buy stock in a relief pitcher for not just this year, but for the future, I mean, he's got to be the guy. Right. Yeah, I agree. And they got him in that Corey Kluber trade. They've done a great job building this team. Uh, so I'm in on the Guardians. I actually, unfortunately, I love the Rays. Every year, I'm super bullish on the Rays. I picked them to win the AL East again this past year. I think I've done that four straight years now, and they've done it three of those times. Maybe two, no, two of those times the last two years. And then they went to the World Series in 2020 when I had them in the World Series. So um, I'm always really high on the Rays. It just felt like the type of year where they couldn't catch a break. Nothing would go their way. 
They've been riddled with injuries this whole season. They're getting Glass now and McClanahan back, but I don't know how much you can count on those guys in this particular spot, Albert. That's so interesting. Every year, I'm a guy who likes to take the game of baseball and break it down and say, okay, why are these teams good? Why are these teams bad? Right. And every year the Rays is like the most mysterious puzzle. I'm like, <laughs> how do they do it? Then they do it this way. And then I'm like, how do they do it? And then like, they're going to do it this way. This year, like, if you look at their offense, every key piece has had a significant injury, right? Wander Franco goes down for a significant period, piece of time, uh, period of time. Um, up and down that lineup, there's been so much turnover. Um, and then they just continue to do it. I mean, to me, that name you just mentioned, though, Jack, will be the X factor in the postseason for the Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler Glass now. What can you get out of that guy in the postseason? I saw his, I think it was his first or second outing back. And I'll tell you this much, the stuff is still there. The velocity is still there. The explosiveness is still there. Obviously, the competitiveness is still there. But how much can you ride a guy who hasn't pitched in this length period of time? That much is yet to be seen. Um, but this is a resilient team with a lot of people don't realize they got playoff experience. Like you said, they've been to the postseason. They've been to the World Series. They, they're used to being here. Everyone always thinks of the Rays as like, oh, they're this like young team. But they're like a young, experienced team. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they're young in age, but they're experienced in being in that stage. So um, depending on what that what you can get from him, I think Tyler Glass now will be the X factor in this series and potentially in this postseason for the Tampa Bay Rays. And it, you know, I really like the Rays a lot moving forward because I love what they've done with that rotation. They've got a lot of those guys locked up, and they should be back in the mix for the division again next year. But the other thing I look at here is, let's see, I'm looking at the run differential is about the same, actually, which is pretty interesting. Cleveland's a plus 12. But the thing, the two, the other thing I think is interesting is Cleveland's or Tampa's coming in on a five game losing streak and did not play their best baseball down the stretch. About like three, four weeks ago, it looked like they were about to go on that raise run as they normally do, it seems, where they were challenging the Yankees. And had they won that game, I think they would have only – it was like they had swept the Yankees that weekend. They would have only been two back. There's a lot of nerves. There's a lot of nerves in the Bronx going into that yeah. race series there. A lot of people think it collapsed in New York. It didn't happen in this league, but yeah. in the other league. But yeah. And then sometime – you got a shot in there as a Braves fan. <laughs> um, but then sometime after that, they really – moved in the opposite direction. Cleveland, on the other hand, is playing amazing right now. There, This is another thing I value is, are you peaking at the right time of the season? Cleveland's won, I think, I think they're 23-6 and six over the last 29 games. And those were meaningful games, too. I know people might look at the White Sox and the Twins as not being the strongest division opponents as other divisions. And that's, that is accurate and that's fair, but those were big games nonetheless against division rivals on the road that they needed to win. And they just swept through those teams. So I'm going Cleveland and two. I think this one's over by Saturday night. Wow. Jack, look at you. Well, I, um, you know, being related to my uncle wrestling Estrada, I don't think I can pick against the Rays here in the first round. <laughs> I'm going to take the other argument. I'm going to say that Cleveland, Guardians, if you look at their 
run differential. I believe they're the only postseason team with a negative run differential. No, they're plus sixty-four, and oh, Tampa's just, a uh, plus fifty-two. Okay, so they're okay. They're pretty close. Um, I think that they, the Cleveland. I like I like their team, I like their squad, but I think that in the postseason, um, these power pitchers tend to do better. And I like what Shane Mack and Tyler Glass now give them in the front end. I like what the Rays back end still offers. Um, and I think that the Rays, they kind of just kept the course for a long time. And yeah, they didn't finish exactly strong, but they got a lot of their guys back. Wander Franco's back in the lineup. They made some smaller acquisitions at the deadline that really solidified their offense, which is really what they needed. They added David Peralta. Um, Harold Ramirez has been kind of a revelation for them in the middle of the order. Um, I'm picking Tampa Bay to win in three. I think both of these American League series are going the distance, um, and I'm going Rays in three. And these games also were the ones that they're like, let's put this on at 1 o'clock on Saturday against college football because it doesn't right. matter. We're not going <laughs> to – it's yeah. sad. I mean, I love both these teams. I love, I love seeing how both – I think these are two of the best front offices. These are two of the best front offices in baseball. Um, so I am interested in them, but they are small market teams, and they're not going to get the same kind of viewership as others. So they're like, all right, we're just going to toss this out there against the TCU game and all these other games that are on this weekend, game day. I think that plays to the race strength. I, I think they like love, and even Cleveland a little bit, they're like used to being yeah. like the overlooked stepchild in a league, in a, you know, in the division has the Red Sox and the Yankees. So um, I don't think they're going to be worried about that. No, neither team is, but I also like the home field for Cleveland. I mean, have you been to Cleveland before, Albert? I've been to Cleveland. I've never been to, um, you know, the former Jacobs Field. I forget what it's called now, but um, I heard I, when that place gets going, I know it's pretty raucous. The fans there, I of anywhere I've been to, I would say Cleveland has the best fans, period. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean – Think a lot of passionate fan bases in that in that American League. Think about it with the Mariners and the Indian or the Guardians. Of the places I've been to, I should say. Of yeah, the, yeah. I've not been to Seattle. I haven't been to New York, you know. But I mean, like, think about the fact that this team and this city and what the city has done sports wise for the last however many years, and they still keep coming back and they still love their teams. Even Believe when they take them, away right? the Indians name from them, they still yeah. love their team. Believe land. That's why they call them, you know. Believe yeah. Land. Yeah. All right, so we got to get over to the National League now. And I guess we'll start with the 3-6 matchup. We've got the Phillies going to St. Louis. They're giving the ball to Aaron Nola on uh, – oh, sorry. They're giving the ball to Zach Wheeler on Friday, Aaron Nola on Saturday. And Friday, the uh, Cardinals will go to Jose Quintana, recently acquired. Saturday, Miles Michaelis. Sunday, we have anybody here. Let's see. Ranger Suarez will get the ball if we get there. St. Louis has not named a starter. I would think that would be Adam Wainwright if they're in a win or go home game. He seems like the guy they give the ball to. Yeah, these are. Um, this is an interesting matchup to me. This is a matchup of two teams that I think kind of did – a little different than I expected. I think I was pretty spot on when we went on this program earlier and talked about the National League. I thought the Phillies would be slightly better, and I thought the Cardinals would be slightly worse. The Cardinals are another team that just sees that, seems to have that magic jack where they yeah. always find a way to do it. I mean, look at what these guys are doing in, in, like, you know, in their advanced age. Yadi Molina at 40 years old catching. Adam Wainwright has been fantastic for a majority of the season, I thought, uh, 
far exceeding expectations I had for him. And Albert Pujols, man, like, how do you not love that story? Um, Paul Goldschmidt, to me, is the consensus, uh, well, most valuable uh, player. We're going to get into that. I know a little later <laughs> in the program. But um, I, like, I like their offense, too. Their offense is built differently. They're, to me, they're a more sophisticated version of what um, some of those American League teams do, like kind of what Cleveland does. You know, they have like Brendan Donovan and um, a couple of these guys at the top of the lineup who are just scrappier hitters, Tommy Edmond. And then they have some boppers in the middle with Arnado and Goldschmidt. Um, the Cardinals are a really interesting team. And the Phillies, to me, um, you know, people were all over them about you spend all this money on these free agents. They're underperforming, Castellanos and all these guys. But, you know, they kind of circled the wagons at the end of the year when Bryce Harper came back and they decided to, you know, play some better baseball. Um, I still think they don't. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Hey, they, they, they were in a tough division uh, with two real, like, to me, elite teams at the top of that division, the Mets and Braves, and they kind of hung around. Um, I just don't know if the pitching is there for Philadelphia in a postseason series, um, especially in, where you remember in the postseason, the bullpen matters so much. And I don't trust the Phillies bullpen, even though they've tried to give it a makeover time and time again. But they're going to need a lot of innings out of Aaron Nola. They're going to need a lot of innings out of those starters because, to me, if I'm you know if I'm in that Phillies dugout, I'm not super confident when we when they go to the bullpen and open up the gate that somebody's going to come out there and put it out the fire. So. I think they're going to go a little bit old school and probably ride their starters a little bit longer. Um, and I think that it's that's going to be really the test for Philadelphia to see if they can compete with um, what I think is a pretty solid uh, St. Louis Cardinals team. Well said, Albert. Although I will say the Phillies and the Brewers made a pretty strong argument against this new playoff format over the last month of the season. Right. That's it point. was like, does anyone want this last wild card spot? The Brewers sure don't. I thought the Brewers would be better, man. I thought that they, you know, with that starting pitching, you know, they missed Peralta for a big chunk of the season. Um, you know, Corbin Burns was took a step back a little bit. Everyone kind of came back down to earth and offensively yeah. didn't have it. But who knows, man? The Phillies are in it. You know, everyone said last year the, the Braves were – they didn't win a lot of games. They were, nobody was really high on them. They kind of – Well, I was. Yeah, you were, but a lot of people were kind of in the middle. Remember, they lost Ronald Acuna. Yeah. They just kind of patchworked the outfield back together. And next thing you know, a team, like you said, you made a very good point, Jack. Sometimes it's like, can you get hot at the right time? I don't know. I still think Philadelphia has a lot of um, talent offensively. I think that's an offense that when they get going is is imposing. But, yeah, I, if push comes to shove, you're asking me for a pick here. I got to go with the Cardinals in this series. Yeah, I think this one's over in two as well. I think that, I don't think this one goes to Sunday. I mean, I just watched the Phillies come into town in Chicago a week ago and get swept by this Cubs team here. Couldn't hit against – I mean, the Cubs are doing a pretty – I think they're doing a pretty good job with picking up undervalued pitchers and then some other guys like Hayden Wesneski, who they traded for at the trade deadline. Pitcher um, of Stretch Wesneski, who's – yeah, he's, last game too, yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, but then, I mean, it wasn't like Matt Assad is what we're talking about. With he's not Max Scherzer, right? And they were not scoring runs against that pitching staff, which is a good pitching staff. It's not a great pitching staff, and those were games that they needed at that point in time. It was a am- it was amazing that the Brewers played as poorly as they did in the final week of the season. That ended up not mattering. So this Phillies team is kind of up and down. They're going on the road. 
And the big thing, though, for me of why you mentioned bullpen, that's one thing. The other reason why I think that this team is headed towards heartbreak is they don't field the ball well. This is a very poor defensive team. And again, how many times have we seen a ball like a Tony Graffinino error in 2005 against the White Sox when he was on the Red Sox? How many times have we seen one of those plays open up the floodgates and that team has a big inning as a result of it? Not that I think that the I you know what maybe we have a maybe, I think really the the way that Philly can win this series is if they can have those first two starting pitchers dominant for eight innings, maybe get a complete game. But even like you said, they can be beat when you get those guys out of the game. So I think I'm going St. Louis. And I also mentioned this earlier, a team that seems to have like an emotional edge, which I gave the Seattle Mariners. I'm also giving that to the St. Louis Cardinals. This is the last dance of Major League Baseball. This is the best hitter of our lifetimes. Fair point? Yeah, it is. I didn't think about that. Last dance is a really cool analogy for them. They have that like, let's 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 ride out into the sunset type quality, which is scary and does provide momentum. And I think your points were spot on. The Phillies do not feel the ball well. You know, John Smoltz, who's I think is one of the best broadcasters in baseball, always says Love in them. the in the yeah in the postseason, you know, a, a base runner is a rally, right? So when runs and base runners and everything matters so much those little things that Philadelphia might not be able to do, you know, a ball that maybe should have been caught in the outfield because they, you know, really they, they don't have, they have guys playing out of position. Really, Kyle Schwarber is really not supposed to be out there. Castellanos is a really great outfielder. Um, you know, they're they're deficient defensively in a lot of different spots. And I think that that little gap, right, just having a crack where a ball gets through or balls misplayed or something happens to me, especially with a team that plays so fundamentally well as St. Louis, it's almost like they're two opposite teams, really. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals are very well defensive. They're very, uh, I'm sorry, they field the ball well. They run, they base run exceptionally. Might be the best base running team in baseball. I mean, even their first baseman runs base as well. Goldschmidt runs base as well. Um, they're they're, they're going to have their hands full. And I agree with you, Jack. I think this is a series that could be two and out quickly for Philadelphia and leave them, leave that poor Phillies fan base. Um, you know, kind of lifeless again because I, I haven't seen them step up. The same thing I saw them play the Braves in a three-game series um, about a month ago, and the Phillies barely seemed like they showed up for that series, and that should have been a big series for them. So um, it's it's going to be on them to really turn the light on and and see what happens. But I, I fully expect St. Louis to advance into the next round. Last thing on Philly. Oh my gosh, this is I need a like short answer on this, which is going to be hard, but. Would they have been better off long term if they had missed the playoffs versus making the playoffs? Wow. Um, no, because I don't think based on the composition, they would have, even if they were really out of it, like look where Boston is this year where they're kind of similar team, they don't really sell that much. So I don't think that, you know, they're really going to say, okay, well, let's blow it up. Let's trade JT Rumuto. Let's trade, you know, obviously Bryce Harper isn't getting moved. Let's move Reese Hoskins. Let's move Aaron Nolte. They're not moving these pieces. They're kind of like they've made their bed, and they're kind of have to sleep with it. So um, I don't know if missing the playoffs necessarily would have really changed their long-term trajectory. I just think they need to get better on the pitching side and hope that some of these bats don't age poorly because they got a lot of money wrapped up in a lot of big names. Very good. That was a great answer. 
and very precise. All right. <laughs> Our last series here in the National League. We've got the four versus the five seed. This will be played in New York all weekend. The New York Mets, who led the division for like 178 out of 181 days or something like that. It was they led the division all year, and you were very happy with that. Who, who won that division? Can you remind me? The Atlanta Braves, five years in a row. And we were right about the Braves once again. We'll we'll get that out there. It, it's it's been that dogfight. I, I don't know if it's because of my lens, Jack, because I follow the Braves closely. But to me, I can't recall a more interesting and closely fought division race since you know. I think before they changed the playoff format and like what about time. how about last year, Dodgers and Giants? That was I'm with fun. you on that, but there was a different element to that race where the Giants came out of nowhere. Right. The Giants weren't expected to be that good. And then they just took a big lead. And then everyone's just like, oh, here come the Dodgers. Here come the Dodgers. Here come the Dodgers. So it was it had a different element to so this. This was this was literally two heavyweight fighters that were just like set on this path. And then it just happened. And it's just like all season. They were just like bang, like trading blows um, to the point where even the final inches of the last game, the Braves had to beat the Marlins two to one while the Phillies had already, or the, I'm sorry, the Mets had already won the first half of the doubleheader and were up seven, nothing in the first inning. Like that team was playing with their hair on fire because they wanted it. And I think something that was really interesting about this is a lot of people like to say that the Mets maybe, um, you know, imploded or um, kind of the wheels came off them. I don't think that's the case. This isn't a team that like fell apart, Jack. This is a team that like was still playing really good baseball at the end of the year. Yes, they got swept in Atlanta in a really cont tightly contested series, but that's baseball. Yeah. But to me, this the Mets. To me, the Mets separate themselves from every other team that we've discussed today. They're in that other echelon. To me, they're clearly a top three, top four at worst team in baseball. I think that they're they're a very dangerous team. It's going to hurt them that they press some of their arms early in that series and to see what DeGrom's going to come back with because now he's got, you know, a blister issue. Um, Max Scherzer's had his injuries a little bit earlier in the season. But that's a team that the Mets are you – know, this is they're, – they're, this, this is a bad – this is a bad club, man. Like, I don't want to mess with these guys. So, like, I'm – I feel like it's a very tough draw for San Diego. Now, San Diego has their own talent of their own, but um, I really wouldn't want to face um, the Mets deep in this postseason with the pitching they have. Well, you opened up this can of worms, so let's go there. The teams that can win a World Series this year. I'll give you mine. National League, Mets, Dodgers, Braves. I think Cardinals can too. I think the Cardinals are in that mix. In fact, yeah, I think the Cardinals are dangerous. American League, Astros, Guardians. Wow. Done. Yeah. Yankees aren't beating the Astros. Wow. Wow. Big statement. Big state. Jack. I mean, when half they, they don't beat the Astros. It's a problem. You're right. They're right. So I, I think the Guardians are the one team. I mean, you got you got Toronto in there. Is there anyone else? You probably kick out Cleveland. Yeah, I think Toronto would really be the only real addition I make. But I, I agree with you. I think that there's even within this playoff, there's like two tiers really, and like yeah. I think the Mets are clearly in that tier A. Yeah, you know that they're like in that top tier. Um, they're they're scary, but. Let's not count out the Padres. Listen, the Padres, they, to me, are, I think, a better team than Philadelphia. I think they're comparable with what St. Louis offers. 
Um, they have some veterans starting pitching. They have some veteran bats in the middle of the order. Um, obviously, it hurt them that they didn't, you know, have Fernando Tatis come back. But, dude, look at that lineup card, brother. They got Juan Soto. <laughs> they got Manny Machado. They got Josh Bell. They got they Juan got Soto has not – he really has not given them a whole lot, though. I understand that. But Juan Soto is a guy who, at 20 years old, put on a show in the World Series. He, to me – Yes, maybe he underperformed this year, but he's still an elite hitter who's going to give you what every time? A quality at bat, which is what you need in the postseason, right? You need, you need to work counts. You need to hit with situationally. You need to hit with two strikes. Um, this is a guy that I wouldn't count out just because he had a down year, quote unquote. Um, I don't count that team out. And I think they have, they, I could see the Padres doing something interesting. It seemed doing something, taking a page out of the Washington Nationals book of years ago where they piggyback starters and they take guys that are rotation guys, like a guy like Mike Clevenger, who hasn't really pitched that great down the stretch. But if you got Mike Clevenger coming out of the bullpen in the fifth or sixth inning to give you one inning at max, you know, at max capacity, um, all of a sudden that team starts to play differently in a short series because they have uh, like a nice bulk of starting pitching depth. Like I told you at the beginning of the season, the Padres don't really have like a Scherzer or a DeGrom, but they got a lot of really good like number two or three guys. And when you bunch a bunch of those guys together in the postseason – it's hard to score runs on them. And that's, you know, that's, that's a formula we've seen succeed in October. So um, I, I think this is a really interesting matchup to me. This is, to me, this is like the, you know, Mariners uh, series, but in the national, to me, this is the one to watch is Mets and Padres. Yeah. This yeah. is the one to watch. And it's really yeah. difficult for me to, it's honestly, the thing that's hard for me is what do we, what, what version of Mets are going to show up? Cause when you have a series like last weekend, that's the type of se- series that can end a season. It's it's all about how you ba- – it can crush your team's morale or it can give you that kick in the rear that you need. And I'm sure with Buck Showalter, he's been using that all week. I think we're going to see a hungry Mets team. I also love ju- – not just for what he gives you on the mound, but in terms of leadership, Max Scherzer. He's oh, yeah. a big-time pitcher. Now, I will say, you mentioned DeGrom, ERA over six in his last four starts. Despite that, however, and I think it's interesting because what a lot of people had said this whole year, you got the best one-two in the whole National League. And I I don't know if I'd say that personally based on how DeGrom has pitched down the stretch. I think there are some other pitching rotations that are stronger in this National League, potentially. I mean – at their very best, it's the best one, too, and it could end up being that, but I don't know what I'm going to count on from DeGrom. But I digress. As we've talked about, people this whole year talked about pitching being the strength of this team. The strength of the Mets, what I like about them, contact, great hitting team. They're going to score a lot of runs. I think that's been underrated when we talk about the Mets' success because we're used to seeing them as that team that, okay, they got a great pitching staff, but what, what's their lineup doing? Well, you've got the guy who led the National League in RBI and Pete Alonso. And what I like that they have in addition to that, a lot of guys who, again, I like contact. I like put the ball in play. I I think that the Mets are going to win this series, but it's going to depend on, again, which Mets team shows up. Because if they – I could not imagine what that locker room felt like on Sunday night. Oh, I mean, losing that series was dejecting for the Mets. And I think this postseason is so interesting. Like, think about this road, Jack. Now the Mets and winner of this Mets and Padres series has to play a well-rested Dodgers team starting on the road. 
as opposed to the you know the two seed in the Braves who get a bye and will have will play the you know the Cardinals or the Phillies winner. It's a huge. It's changed their road immensely. But I'm going to tell you this. This is a this is a big statement. I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, but I think the Mets are the most complete team in baseball. Mm. Meaning. If you look at their lineup, they have a long lineup that does a lot of things well. You, I agree with you. They put the ball in play, right? Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, uh, Francisco Lindor. They have a lot of guys that give you quality at bats. Marcana. Marcana. They have thumpers in the middle. Starling Marte is probably going to be back um, for the postseason. They have a top of the rotation that's – listen, I don't care what the Grom's ERA was in the last four starts. I really <laughs> don't care. He throws 101 miles an hour and locates like his name is Greg Maddox. He's healthy if he's healthy. He's well, see, that's my question. Is something up with him? Why is he it's, trending? It's, this he had way? a blister issue that flared up on him in his last start, and I think his it. If I watch his last start, he's missing location wise, middle, which he wasn't doing when he's on point. And his velocity, this sounds hilarious to say, was down to like 97, 96. <laughs> that's down velocity for Jacob deGrom. When you when you play for Team Mars, that's being down in velocity. But they have starting pitching that's experienced and elite. They have a really nice back end of the bullpen, too. They made it, they, And they've kind of changed it. They were a team that didn't have a left-handed presence. They got Joel Rodriguez to give a contribution. They moved Peterson to be a left-handed guy in the bullpen. I mean, Edwin Diaz is another guy who's been out of this world at the end of the game. They have Adam Adovino, who matches up well against right-handed pitching. This is a complete team, man. This is a team that, that does a lot of things right that nobody wants to face. To me, the Mets, Dodgers, it's weird to even say this, Braves are in a different echelon than the rest of the National League. And I think whichever one of those teams comes out of this, I think I think the National League is coming through one of those three teams, and everyone else is just kind of trying to make something happen. And the Padres are, by the way, giving the ball to you, Darvish, Friday. And they're going Blake Snell on Saturday. Scherzer, Friday. Mets have not announced any else of their starters. We're going to see DeGrom this weekend, I think. I would think that we're going to see him. Um, and maybe Chris Bassett, or maybe they go in another direction. Maybe there's a matchup that they like. But honestly, I have never been able to – you, Darvish, is not a guy I've ever been able to trust in a big game. Blake Snell, I know he's pitched well down the stretch, but he has not been for the first year and a half of his time in San Diego, not the Blake Snell that we saw two years ago in the playoffs. So both of those guys are a little iffy. Too. Padres so interesting, man. They um they're like a like to be a Padres fan has to be exciting, right? Because they go out and always get these like huge names. They're like, we got you know, we got Blake Snell when he was like a, a Cy Young guy. We got you Darvish. We went and got you know Juan Soto. We went and got Manny Machado. We went and got even at the end of this year, they went and got Josh Hader. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, the Padres got Josh Hader, and then Josh Hader just like fell apart. <laughs> They, they kind of been unlucky with um, A.J. Preller, who's always the most aggressive GM in baseball, has made a lot of moves that on paper would be like, wow, this is a this is a really serious team. They just have a lot of guys that haven't panned out, you know, like guys have just underperformed for them. They've almost been the opposite of what's happened for teams like the Braves, teams like the Giants, teams like the Rays, who always seem to get a guy and then they just click, you know what I'm saying? And that, to me, I don't know if that's a byproduct of – clubhouse or um, coaching on field, those things are super hard to quantify. The game of baseball is really difficult. But talent-wise, if there's a team in this wild card bracket, man for man, who can compete 
with the Mets and the rest of the National League, I think it is the Padres, but it's just based on pure talent alone. Um, I think they're more talented than the Cardinals. I think they're more talented than the Phillies. Um, I think they're a team that's okay. And yes, you Darvish has struggled on the big stage. You know, he had bad games with the Dodgers. He had bad games with the Cubs um, to the point where I think he had an outing where he didn't get out of the first in a, in a, in a World Series game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been a big game guy, but I don't think he's scared. Sometimes I think that kind of stuff gets a little bit overplayed. Not saying he's scared. I'm just saying yeah. in a in a big-time pressure situation when you're traveling to New York of all places right. from San Diego, most laid-back city in the world, to maybe the least laid-back city in the world. <laughs> That's a long road trip, too. I, oh, yeah. I'm going Mets, by the way. Yeah, I'm going Mets as well. I'm going to take Mets in three. I actually think the Padres are going to push them, probably steal that middle game if DeGrom doesn't go. They probably turn to DeGrom and close the door on him. Um, that's just my prediction. So I'm going Mets. I'm going Mets in three. And then okay. Mets are going to be Mets-Dodgers, man. What a series that should be. Which game do you think the Padres win? I think the Padres will still steal the middle game. I think Scherzer comes out, um, takes game one, I think uh, game two, if they don't, you go to DeGrom, the Padres can steal game two. Um, the, 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 the Mets don't match up as well against left-handers. Um, it kind of neutralizes Nemo, neutralizes uh, Vogelbach, and neutralizes a couple of those big bats. Um, so to me, I, I like, I like uh, the Padres by stealing game two. And they're going to be all hands on deck in that game. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Mets win and make a big statement in two. And I think they're going to hang a lot of runs uh, in these two games. I think this is the this is their uh, emotional response from what happened last weekend. And if that doesn't happen, if they're really struggling and they get to Sunday, I'm very concerned about them in that Sunday game. Only time will tell, my friend. Only time will tell. Jack, I, I hate to cut you short, brother, but I'm, I'm a little long and I got a real hard stop. So, um, yeah. Anything else that we uh, – Yeah, let's do it really quickly. Give me a name, AL Rookie of the Year. American League Rookie of the Year. Julio Rodriguez, you ever heard of that name? <laughs> I've got him too. Are you, you familiar? Yes, National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, first time since Freddie Freeman and Craig, Craig Kimbrell finished one and two. And again, it's going to be two Braves finishing one and two. I'm going Spencer Strider, narrowly edging out Michael Harris for the National League Rookie of the Year. Is there any chance we could have co Rookie of the Year's. I'd love to see that, actually. I think they both deserve it. But I think, yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, Cole. Okay, uh, AL Manager of the Year. Has to be Terry Francona. Should yep. be a unanimous vote. National League. National League's interesting. A lot of people are going to take credit away from Buck Showalter, but I actually think he's done a heck of a job managing. Um, I'm actually going to get I would, – I would give it to Buck Showalter. I got Buck, too. Transform the culture of the Mets. Yep. It, it's important. Okay, MVP in the American League. Um, there's a guy named Aaron. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. GJ. I think it's <laughs> Dutch. Yeah. If uh, listen, there's okay. an argument for Shohei Otani. What he does is 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 marvelous and spectacular and otherworldly. But Aaron Judge is right now the best player at his sport in any sport: mm. basketball, football, soccer. Uh, you know, underwater basket weaving. Aaron Judge is the best <laughs> right now at anything happening. Athletically. Yes. Uh, Aaron Judge, period. Okay. National League. National League MVP is going to be Paul Goldschmidt, who didn't get as much press as he should. This guy was pushing for a triple crown. 
He's a he had an unbelievable pulled year. off at the end of the year, but yeah. nonetheless, but one of the most underrated players in baseball for the last yep. decade, really. Yeah, seriously. Okay, AL Cy Young. AL AL Cy Young. Uh, my notes here. Justin Verlander, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> You're looking at notes. <laughs> I, have notes. I made my own notes. Justin Verlander. What a se- what a season he did, man. What a season. What a comeback for him. I I really thought when he went down at the end of uh, 2020, or sorry, at the end of 2020, his career was done, and he came back and unbelievable season for him. And then the last one, the National League Cy Young, right here, right in my backyard, Sandy Alcantara. What a you know what, just a big game guy who doesn't get a lot of publicity, but man, you know the car, the Marlins really struck gold in that Marcel Zuna trade with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. This guy's a real deal, man. He's a big he's a big game guy. Yep, you're spot on with everything. It's funny, we disagreed a lot for the first 55 minutes and we agreed <laughs> on everything in the last five. Okay, Albert Destrade, you can follow him at Zero Votes on Twitter and Instagram. And he's got a podcast called It's Not Polite to Ask. You guys should all subscribe. Any other plugs you want to get in here, Albert? That'll be it, brother. I really appreciate right. having you on. And I hope we, maybe we can do something later in the postseason. Yes. If uh, the old Bravos make a run, right? Yeah, you're welcome anytime, Albert. Take care. Talk soon, brother. Thank you so much. All right. So that concludes our conversation today with Albert Destrade. I'm glad we were able to fit this in before the postseason begins tomorrow. If you guys like today's episode of Jack Vita Show, subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can follow along on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at Jack Vita Show. I'll be back Monday. Probably do this live again. I think the live shows are fun when we're covering the postseason, get these out quick. But I'm going to record something. It's going to be around Monday at 11 a.m., Monday morning. We're going to recap this wild card round. Hopefully, I did pretty okay on these picks, and hopefully the Mets win because I'm going to be speaking with a Mets fan by the name of Jason Romano. He's the director of Sports Spectrum, and he hosts the Sports Spectrum Sports Spectrum podcast, and that's a very cool uh, media outlet where they speak a lot with Christian athletes and broadcasters, and they got a lot of really cool interviews and a lot of good work over there. So. Uh, really excited to collab on something with Jason. I think you guys are really going to like him and really enjoy that conversation. We'll recap the wildcard series and we'll preview the division series and we'll have plenty more coverage throughout the postseason. We'll have some players on, maybe former players. Um, so make sure you guys are all subscribed and following along on social media so you don't miss out on any of that. And until Monday, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters.